When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. J.J. Abrams presents Animated Trash <laughs> Avengers. <laughs> um, Coming in 2032. My gosh. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now entering the Second Big Comics Podcast. Starring Mark Clare and Renzo Martinez. Can Spider-Man really do what a spider can? Not every Spider-Man. We're going to figure that out the hard way by jumping into J.J. and his son Henry Abrams' debut Marvel book, Spider-Man. Do I not sound as excited as I should be? It's because I'm not really that excited to read it, but I'm excited to share it. But sharing is caring, and the only way to do it is to bring on the head ombre here at the Second Print Comic Nation. They say that he lives with a pack of tigers for one full season out of the year. Whether that's true or not is completely up to you, dear believer. The one and only Mr. Mark Clare. Mark, how is life? Life is great. Life is fantastic on my end. Um, I, I hear things are a little bit more hectic on your end, but you know. Each time I think Ikea is done testing my patience, they find another way. Each time I think that I can go ahead and, you know, sit down, have a beer, make a meal, I end up realizing that I'm a, I'm a fully functioning adult and there are 13 million things I have to do. So I'm getting a, a real crash course into what it's like to be an elder millennial. Welcome to adulthood. This is this is what it's like. You're always doing shit, dealing with shit, buying stuff. You know, nice of you to finally join us here after what twenty seven years, twenty six years, twenty six years. It's it's six right. it's six p.m. my time, and I already feel like going to sleep. I might just Basically, have a bowl of cereal for for dinner at this point. Oh, good. Then you're fully you're fully here. Yeah. When when you transfer from being excited about the night because you can go, you're going to go do something to being excited about the night because it's going to be time to sleep. That's how you know you've arrived in full adulthood. Uh, one of my colleagues at work literally asked me, and he's about 19, 20 years old. He was like, so what are you doing this weekend? Because he was all like, oh, here are all these things you could do now since you're here. And this is your first free weekend. In you can Wisconsin. visit the Ponzi statue, for example. Yeah, I, I did that. I was like half awake when my parents wanted to go. But, you know, I, I looked at him like with this dead soulless stare. And I was like, I'm going to stay at home. And I'm going to drink and do laundry. <laughs> And maybe some and grocery podcast. shopping and podcast. And that was the end of that awkward conversation. Yeah. He just kind of <laughs> looked at me like, what the hell is with this guy? You'll learn one day. You'll learn. Well, speaking of learning, I definitely learned some things in this episode and uh, we'll detail them more at the end. But I learned that this existed. First of all, I also learned that J.J. Abrams wrote a comic book. I also learned that he has a son. I also learned that his son helped write a comic book. 
And the rest of my lessons we're going to save for later in the show. Yeah, this is a, this is a real clash, true believers. This is a clash between something I love near and dear to my heart, Spider-Man, and someone I absolutely hate, J.J. Abrams. And now I hate his offspring. I think over the last, <laughs> you know, four or five episodes. So we're skipping right to our thoughts about the story. Yeah, this I mean, Mark, I think we've had a pretty good run of episodes where we've been giving some pretty high scores recently. I mean, we went from Marvels to Kingdom Come to a couple others in between that were in, you know, like the 14, 15 out of 20 or higher range for overall SPC score. Yeah, I think our low score has averaged around like seven or seven and a half each. That's like the lowest we've had. Of late. Yeah, we're about to break that trend today. Originally, and this is a even Onslaught Reborn. I was I was ready to, to hate that, and we I think we ended up rounding that around a seven and a half or so. Onslaught Reborn is like the gospel compared to what we're jumping <laughs> into today. So for, for 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 people that want a little behind the scenes action, we're we're going to discuss Ronin. In about two weeks, we're going to be doing a Ronin episode by Frank Miller. And Ronin is one of my favorite books, and I I have it. I, I was one of the few great graphic novels I brought with me here on my move. And Mark messages me yesterday. He's like, okay, are you ready for Ronin? And I was like, no, not that I don't want to read Ronin. It's just that if I'm going to do Ronin, I really have to like be in like the headspace to do so. And I just, I, I just couldn't make myself do it. So I thought, you know what? I want to bring everyone else down to my level. So I'm going to go ahead and pull out one of the worst. <laughs> you want our books. fans to feel like you feel dealing with Ikea, essentially. Basically. Maybe not the best marketing strategy, but we're going to do it anyway because we're unconventional here. And if, if if scaring our fans away is what we have to do to do what we have to do, then we'll do it. Just like Rihanna, I love the way it hurts. And uh, <laughs> this is probably, I think, the lowest comic book we've ever rated and read on this show was Battle Scars. Way yonder back. We'll go ahead and link to Battle Scars in this episode if you want an example of a comic that's just bad on every level. But this is probably going to be a step above this. But before we start... We have to address the awkward elephant in the room again. Mark, what is your view of J.J. Abrams? I feel like a you. What did he? What was he most known for before the Star Trek and Star Wars reboot? Reboots? Mission Impossible Three. Really? Wasn't he? What did he do? What didn't he do stuff in the TV realm before, even before that though? He did Lost. Oh well, I I did, I did love Lost, but he wasn't really. Yeah, he was one of the producers of Lost, but I feel like Damon Lindelof, considering the other works I've seen of his, was more of, of the mind behind the good parts of Lost. That's pretty. So accurate. maybe JJ was behind the bad parts of Lost. Because um, yeah. I I don't know. I'm not like a JJ Abrams hater per se. I just have not gotten the hype behind his work i particularly and i've given them a shot several times and i've been a long time star trek fan i grew up watching the next generation i loved all of the star trek movies until i saw the jj abrams reboots which i just i liked actually the like concept those? behind how they did it what's that you didn't like the the new ones no i think they're horrific huh and I, I could maybe do a whole diatribe about that, but I, I, it's not the story that I dislike or even the actors or the acting. It's that the characters don't feel like the characters to me, the two, two, to the originals that they're supposed to be portraying a new version of. And I get it. It's a new version, but just so much of it felt forced and awkward. The only things I did like about that was the stuff with Spock. And I kind of like how they, you know, they explain the new universe and, and with the whole time thing and blah, blah, blah. Like I like that setup well enough. Um, but I, I, 
really don't like the movies themselves. They don't, to me, they don't get the characters down. They don't get the feel of Star Trek down. They just kind of took some old Star Trek stories, sort of redid them, and then spit them back out and said, look, now it's in HD or whatever. So I, they don't impress me. I like Chris Pine. I think he does an awesome job. Like it's, it's not the acting or even the story necessarily, but it's just the, the whole feel and the vibe to me. The characters don't feel like the characters. You went that, That's just based you went on that entire explanation without addressing the, the, the new Star Wars trilogy that's called that's called uh <laughs> avoiding the, avoiding the topic because that's a good answer. I, I have mixed thoughts about the new star wars trilogy but at the end of the day i think no matter what anyone's opinion on individual movies are it's very clear that this this thing was not done with a plan it was not or if there was a plan it was diverted midway uh for uh what's his name remind me here who did who did the last jedi rian johnson that or rian johnson yeah ryan rain johnson ryan johnson whatever that you want to call him and I actually enjoy that movie, but on a weird no. other kind of level. On a different no. kind of level. Yeah, I do. I enjoy watching it. It doesn't mean it's good. <laughs> we got we to distinguish some things. We could do all This could be a whole other episode. That I feel is, like we should do a whole episode about these I don't, I don't about even these want reboots. to talk about this book anymore. We haven't even Did started. you like the first one? I liked The Force Awakens on like, Yeah, I you liked know, it well enough, too. Like, it was, it was enough. Like, it was basically a new hope, but with more, like, you know, youth and diversity. So, you know, I wasn't, like, sh- I wasn't trying to convince myself it was anything otherwise. But, you know, everything else that happened, I mean, it's, you know, it is, it is what it what is. I, what I liked about Last Jedi is it turned some things on its head. It turned some tropes on their head and it surprised me and it went in directions I didn't think it would go. So that part of it kept me engaged. There's other parts of it that, you know, the whole thing with uh, what's his name and the Asian chick and, and all that was just, you know, vomitous to me. Oh, so you're you're not you're not going to lobby for a Rose Tico Disney Plus series. Don't tell me someone's lobbying for that. People did. Well. Luckily, they did not succeed. It didn't. did not have the. They didn't succeed, did they? <laughs> no, it, it did not have Snyder cut enthusiasm. Okay, yeah, all right. So, yeah, but I, I guess I enjoyed the ride of that movie. But clearly, and but that J.J. Abrams wasn't involved in that one. He might have been involved at the executive level, but he kind of like let that Ryan Johnson do his thing there. Uh, so when we come back to what's the last Jedi? What what is the last one called? This is how memorable these movies are to me that I can't remember anything that they're called. The Rise Revenge of Skywalker. Of the, Rise of Skywalker. That was it. Yeah. yeah. That was trying to clean up Last Jedi and, and make a coherent story out of something while also shoehorning in these this thing with the Emperor. And I, it just it doesn't feel natural to me. To me, J.J. Abrams, he must be doing something behind the scenes because he gets these big movie, movie franchises. And he certainly produces movies that look and feel like blockbuster movies. But they're always missing something to me. They're always He's, missing this. So right now, and I, I've discussed this on my other show on the run. Um, I'll go ahead and, you know, I'll just tweet it out there where people can just google it it's called for and against black superman i did an entire episode talking about why jj abrams and ta-nehisi coates uh, even going near the superman franchise is disgusting but what they're also doing is they're giving him the new batman animated series on hbo max it's gonna have bruce tim attached to it but jj abrams is gonna stick his filthy fingers all over it and uh, you know like there was a there was a time in my life where i really I really did like him. And now what I've realized is like other than Spielberg liking him because he kind of looks like a younger him and just a lot of, you know, things going right at the beginning of his career. I think it's gone to his head. And now he's at the point where he just he he, he just he, he's he's a monster. And with with this book that we're going to cover today, this was when I really knew that 
Um, he should never touch these properties and that we should stop him at all costs because it's <laughs> really like it, it, it's it, it's a book that I was really excited for for three reasons. One, because at the time I was still kind of an Abrams supporter. Secondly, it was a new Spider-Man book and I have not actively collected any Spider-Man series. It's about 2013. And three, it was going to start a brand new issue one. It was going to be set out of continuity. So I'm like, okay, you know what? This is a good opportunity for me to kind of jump back into Peter Parker's world for me to see something experimental from a really cool director. And I guess his son, Henry Abrams, was also working at Marvel. So they went ahead and allowed this to happen. How old is his son, by the way? Because when when you said J.J. Abrams and and how your age? Yeah. Okay, because I, when you, especially based on, well, this is going to be hilarious. I, I mean, I'm picturing like, like I don't know. J.J. Abrams doesn't seem that old to me. He's probably in his fifties. I guess. Like, so maybe he looks like, like the Boss Baby. Have you seen that movie or know of that movie? Who does Henry or J.J.? Yeah, I, I have actually seen that movie. Yeah, so like it, it's kind of like that. It's like he's an old young person, and it's just yeah. it's it's unnatural. Well, I can say that. When I read this book, until I had this conversation with you today, I still, even after reading it, presumed his son is probably 13. So that should tell you a lot. You would think a 13-year-old wrote this. Yeah, it'd probably be more creative if a 13-year-old wrote it, to be honest. Probably. I think I wrote better fan fiction as a 13-year-old. I know I wrote better. Anyway, we're, I, I feel like there's nothing to hide here. We're probably going to title this episode like the worst Spider-Man story ever. So we're not really hiding our views ahead of time, but there might be some twists and turns along the way because I... Well, let's just say you you had already set this up for me as being really bad. So I was ready for it to be bad, but we'll go along the journey. You know, I'll, we'll, we'll go issue by issue, and I'll tell you how I was feeling as I was reading it. Yes, please, humble listeners, accept the mystery. Yeah, with because you you know that the the you know that the end is going to be ugly, but uh, we hope that we can make the journey an enjoyable one for you. Right, just like a suppository. Just think of a happy song. Is it just like that? Think of a happy, is it the reverse of that? happy song and don't think about what's going on back door. Anyway, without further ado. Anyway, let's do it, Tiger. J.J. <laughs> Abrams and Henry Abrams with art and contribution by Sarah Pacelli in Spider-Man. I, I feel uh, this is just uh, this is gone. I, I should I did have a beer before this. I, I should I should have poured myself a glass of bourbon. Um, yeah. Spider-Man issue one. So we open up. I already hate that. It's just Spider-Man. I, they couldn't. They couldn't. Well, actually, okay. for a miniseries, okay, like so, for a five issue miniseries. So why they, are you just calling they, it? They gave one? it. They renamed it after the series came out. So technically, if you want to get like anal about it, it's called because I already mentioned suppositories. It's called Spider-Man Bloodlines. But when it was coming out issue by issue, it's just Spider-Man. And in the Marvel Unlimited app, it's just, it's just called Spider-Man. Yeah. yeah. So, so we, we, we enter the first issue with a full black page and somebody screaming tiger. We flip ahead and we see the Brooklyn Bridge and a whole bunch of travesty. People are running from explosions. There are cars and buildings. It's a, it's a pretty gruesome scene. And all of a sudden, we see Mary Jane Watson running towards the fire. And we're thinking, what's going on? She's screaming, Tiger. Everyone is running the opposite direction. She's running towards the travesty. And next thing you know, we see Peter Parker, the amazing Spider-Man, crawl up from the rubble. And he's not looking very good. 
Next thing you know, MJ goes to him and she starts uh, lifting him up and he's just like he he's a wreck. Like he's got several broken bones. His arm literally looks like it's about to fall off. And he's he's quipping this entire time to make her feel good. And, it, uh, you know, obviously you're looking at this, you're like, something really bad has happened. Why is he making jokes? Why aren't why aren't they showing any urgency? This whole thing is basically an excuse to give him and MJ some dialogue. It feels canned because right before we get to the point where we're like, oh, they're about to have a moment. They're about to kiss and say how much more they love each other. They hear this screaming and suddenly there's this explosion behind them. And we see this giant anime trash monster thing. <laughs> come to them and basically way to describe yeah, he, he's surrounded he's surrounded by a bunch of faceless anime trash monster goons and while uh they're lunging towards peter he's screaming mj go run run and they're just beating the absolute shit out of him and then without literally any setup we turn the page and right after he said run we see that the giant big anime trash monster has stabbed MJ through the back, piercing her heart. And then what he does is he tiger. tosses her and off. And she says, tiger. Just <laughs> like it's this is this this is not good. This is not good. He throws her off the bridge and Peter is screaming and he tries to catch her. And next thing you know, I guess they both fall in the water and the big anime trash monster, you know, just says, get him. And then before that ends up doing anything, we go immediately because what's the point of showing us what happens next to MJ's funeral? And if you think this is the regular Spider-Man universe, you're quickly shown that this is definitely different. Not only is MJ dead, but Peter lost his arm in the battle with this giant anime trash monster that we know is cadaver, cadaverous, cadaverous, something. cadaverous, because that's original as shit. Um, and the, uh, Peter, I, I have to, I have to pause for a second. Yeah. Have you seen the, you have seen the movie cats, right? No, I'm waiting for the you, butthole no. cut. <laughs> Still waiting for the butthole cut. Hashtag that release that, the butthole cut. The joke that, that crossed dreams. Well, <laughs> uh, there is a character in that called, it's the one played by e, oh, McCavity. I don't know. For some reason, every time I heard Cadaverous, I thought of McCavity from Cats. <laughs> that, that, that is not a good movie, but it is a good bad movie that I actually highly recommend if you are one to sometimes watch bad movies in a somewhat inebriated state. Uh, choose your own inebriation. I would definitely not watch it sober is the point. But if you like movies that are absurd and you can't even believe they got made, Cats is stellar. That's a pretty good description of a lot of movies I like. Yeah. But jumping back to the... <laughs> like yeah, all the movies you like? Just basically. <laughs> basically. Ask Brian McWilliams. He thinks I have terrible taste in movies. Um, we, we see that not only is MJ dead, Peter has no arm, but he also has a little redheaded child. And uh, that's about it. We fast forward to 12 years later, and we see the redheaded kid is a kid. He does kid stuff. We're basically seeing that he's treated exactly like Peter Parker was in school, except he's got a bit more of an attitude with him. And uh, he gets into a fight with a bully who was attacking some kid. They get into another fight. And, uh, you know, the, he, he he's in trouble because he basically started the altercation, even though the bully was the one who started it. So next, you know, we see that Peter comes to pick up his kid at school. Peter has a beard and a hook to show you that time has progressed. 
And next, you know, he picks up his son and they go to the car and it's just, <clears throat> it's just a lot of like whining. Like nothing really is happening here. They're supposed to be doing character setup, but all we basically know is that Peter has a son and the son is kind of like him. Except he's got a bit more confidence than Peter had at his age, and he's got red hair. The dialogue is just bad. I mean, it it the, the it's dialogue. Awkward. Well, they have the they they have the word balloons overlapping to symbolize, you know, father and son talking over each other. But it's just genuinely not good. And basically, you know, Peter's trying to give his son like you know advice, but he sucks at. It. He's like, you know, you shouldn't jump into situations, and like, you know, whatever's going on with you, it's got to stop. I'm doing my the best I can, but I need you to try to do the same. And we don't even know like, is this a regular thing? Like, we think it is, but at the same time, we think he's going through like teenage angst, and you know, Peter's just like, I've got to go to some shitty war zone for the bugle to take photos. So he drops him off at Aunt May's house. And right as the the kid is about to open the door, he somehow he's mad. So as he pulls the door, he pulls the door right off the hinges. And at this point, the it's like sticking to his hand uh, for the first time. So yeah, if, if you, if you're a functionally like, you know, cognizant adult, you basically just know, Oh, apparently he's hit puberty and has spider powers because they do such a good job at setting it up at this point. It's like, Oh, well we've only seen him for like a page and a half and we now know he has powers. So he goes to his room uh, he's, you know, crying over a picture of his mom, MJ, and like old woman Aunt May walks in and she's like, so you want to explain the new front door? And um, I hate this portrayal of May, by the way. He tries to. I don't know why. She yeah, doesn't look like she Aunt just, May to me. She just looks like random old lady. That's no Marissa Tomei. Oh, it's certainly not that, that, not that Aunt May. But. No, but basically... Apparently, this may have happened before because May is like absolutely not surprised or even upset or even seemingly concerned about the fact their house has no door. Apparently, this is just the thing, but we don't know. And you're thinking, oh, maybe they'll expand on this later. But that's uh, that's that's not going to happen either. Anyway, we flip the next page and we're back at school and we're introduced to a new student named Ido Fay because apparently uh Ben, the the redhead spider kid, uh, is in detention, and Ito is there with him. And uh, you know, you could tell by the fact that we've only been introduced like a couple of characters. The fact that they're introducing her by full name means that she's going to be important. Is she important? Is anything here important? That's questionable. Uh, they they start talking, and you know, nothing really happens. They're just trying to. Like, I don't know if he's like hitting on her or if he just wants to be friends with her. But the dialogue is just really weird because he's just asking her all these questions. He's asking her how he got there and she's just not interested. So it's trying to give you like breakfast club vibes, but it fails on like every level. And just when you're thinking, oh, I wonder how this is going to pick up. Obviously, this is important. It's not just like everything else. We go on the next page and we're in some giant underground creepy lair where a giant anime trash monster guy, Cadaverous, is eating like a can of Vienna sausages. And what I hate <laughs> about his dialogue is that, you know, he's got the gray look like hot dogs to me, but we don't need to split hairs here. Something like that. Ba- basically, Cadaverous... He, he doesn't talk normal. Like, I'm not even going to try and read his dialogue Subjects because... Subjects B901 variant. I hate it. You hate my version of it or how that, that it's accurate as to how it sounds in your mind? Because it's so accurate. <laughs> okay. That it's, yeah. I mean, he's he, he's basically... It hurts to read. It hurts my ears to read it, so... Yes. 
Yes, and it's making my eyes bleed. And what are we <laughs> learning? Basically, Cadaverous has lived. He hasn't shown up since the attack on New York and when he took off Spider-Man's arm and killed MJ and all those people. But we, he's, uh, he's basically experimenting on something, and it looks like he's trying to create a woman in a test tube because every horror movie hasn't already done that once. He's basically so, Mr. Freeze, but without ice and with, that's a and good, with spider blood. That, <laughs> Or something. That's a good. It's about as close as we can get. Describing it, yeah. So basically, uh, we we go back to the page because nothing is explained, and uh, we see Peter's boarding the plane to go off to some shithole war zone, and May calls him, and she's like, "Ben's your son. Uh, You know, you need to be a better father, Peter." And he's just like, "You know." By the way, he's got a hook hand in this one. Yeah, I mentioned he has the hook Yeah, but hand. it's inconsistent in the art because there's certain, like, in the funeral and even when he's on the plane, you it looks like he just has no nothing hanging there the way they draw it. But then you look and he's got the hook hand. So it's like, it's not, it's very inconsistent. That's why I didn't notice it before, even though you... Well, he, one minute he looks like Keanu Reeves and the next <laughs> minute he barely has a face. And the next minute he's got a giant beard and the next minute he has like a little wispy beard. And it's just like the artwork on here is, this is some of the worst art I think I've ever seen. See, I was, well, okay, I was... Maybe I should save my thoughts. I, as I first read this, what I was thinking was, well, at least the art's okay. Like I didn't hate it at first compared to the story. I was like, you know, in the right, with the right book, I could see like this style of art could fit a certain style of book. This is not that book. And this is, but now that, now that I'm like going through it more thoroughly as we go through it together here, I am noticing like little things like this that I maybe didn't notice before that like the lack of detail in certain places where, you know, even besides the style of the art, there is a lot of inconsistency that I'm now seeing. So my art score is probably dropping as as we speak. Yeah, and the story isn't certainly helping. So basically, Peter drowns himself in work, and he's dropped his kid off, basically be raised by May. And, uh, you know, just because this book doesn't understand how transitions work at all, we go to the next page, and we're seeing Ben walking in, like, this giant puddle of blood. And uh, we see MJ there, and... You know, he's running towards her and he's slowly drowning in the giant blood puddle lake, whatever. And we quickly learn that it's a it, it's it's a dream. And as he wakes up screaming, mom, with tears running down his face, we see that somehow he is uh, he has climbed on the ceiling like something out of the exorcist. But like with his and back on the ceiling. In. So it's like it doesn't how would he have done like I, I know because he's discovering he has power so he didn't like jump up there and well, it's like he suddenly it's like he's possessed by something yeah which is yeah okay which is not a spider and, and meanwhile okay. he's screaming for help and may comes in and she's just she's just smiling like this is all normal like this is this is not this is not normal and she's just all too okay with this and they i think they want to set her up as like this elder mentor figure but it also doesn't she seems like she has alzheimer's like <laughs> she has no idea what's going on she's not acting like may would who would at least like she's just like oh it's fine it's it's cool just i'll help you down and he's like, no, like Aunt May should be like either explaining this to him or comforting him in some way. Like, it's OK. I know you're going through some nothing. She's just like, oh, yeah, come on down. We'll go get dinner. Like, <laughs> yeah. And to make matters worse, instead of explaining anything to him, she just takes him up to, to the attic where they pull out a box of Peter's old stuff. He sees a whole bunch of stuff like his press pass some photos of Peter and MJ. And suddenly um, she's like, you'll find what you need and he pulls out 
the Spider-Man costume. So now he's like, oh shit, my dad is Spider-Man. Yeah, this, and this is the end of that episode. So we can take a pause here to, to yeah. for me to try to clarify something and maybe trying to clarify little points of the story will prove pointless. I'm guessing it will. But if, okay, so he knows his mom is this woman, Mary Jane. Like he knows who she mm-hmm. is. She, in the Spider-Man universe, the Marvel universe, she's actually like a model. She's known. She's a known yeah. person. She's an actress too. She's been yeah, in a couple she's, movies. She's like an actress model. Like she's a, definitely famous. But when she dies in the scene earlier, she died like in the arms of Spider-Man. Like, I mean, like, you know, that had to be on TV. So like this whole time, he has no idea that his mom, who was very publicly died while with Spider-Man, while being held in the arms of Spider-Man, that he, that his connection was never made that maybe he his dad is freaking Google. Spider-Man. They don't have Google Mark. Or the internet, apparently. All right. Or word of mouth or anything like that. <laughs> Rumors, smoke signals. Carrier pigeons. Anything. Okay. Anything. I mean, I guess it is an alternate universe, so it can be whatever JJ wants it to be. And Henry, little Henry. In this case. Little 13-year-old Henry in my mind. Lazy. Yeah. I, I, I think this whole time, this is really like, I was giving this, I was trying to give this book the benefit of the doubt because this is what I'm picturing in my mind. I'm picturing J.J. Abrams sitting with his young son writing a comic together like they're doing a school project, you know? And I was like, oh, well, he's a kid. So, you know, he's writing this Ben character as as the kid and he's writing this whole thing as a kid and apparently there's no editors here or something. So I'm like, I'm justifying this the whole way. But now that I know he's like your age, I don't know what to think. Mark, I collected this entire series as single issues. On purpose? And I sold it. Who bought it? And why would you do that to somebody? I sold it to a used bookstore for probably like $2 for the five. So here's my question. After reading issue one, why did you read issue two? Why did you pay money? For that. Because I like the idea of legacy heroes. And, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I, I love Spider-Man. I wanted a clean jumping point into Spider-Man. And I thought that this would have been it. Because when you're having one of the world's biggest directors co-write a book with one of your writers, especially when that writer is his son, you'd think it would be good. So I had all this nostalgia blinding me. What else has Henry Abrams written? Oh, no. I'm going to, you talk, I'm going to do some research. Yeah, because after the series, I don't think I've seen him do anything since. Speaking of which, on to issue two, uh, we basically pick up back at Cadaverous's lair, and he keeps talking about how um, he's losing something, and we all know what he's losing. He's failed at something, and we all know what he's failing at, but he's talking to himself, and it's supposed to be like a motivational, creepy speech. Dude, this is his first released work, and I'm pretty sure only released work. I, that's justice right there, yeah. if it never sees the light. Henry Abrams has written his first Marvel comic, Spider-Man, Volume 3. I hate that they called this Volume 3, as if it was just like a continuation of the other Spider-Man series we've had, along with his father, the renowned film director, J.J. Abrams, and I can find no other uh, comments about it for other projects. So it doesn't seem like he already worked for Marvel. It seems like JJ Abrams went to Marvel and said, Hey, my, how do I say this? My very untalented 
uncreative son who you might think My is kid 13. Is special. Yeah. <laughs> He's always wanted to. This is basically the make a make make a wish sound foundation for JJ Abrams' son. That's how I'm seeing this ha- ha- playing out now. Only his son's 26 and has no uh, disease that I know of <laughs> that that would uh, warrant such a thing. I hope he doesn't anyway. I have no I know nothing about the guy. So <laughs> maybe well, I mean I think this uh, this whole story is an allegory between father and son. The father who was something and the son who was not really anything. In that maybe this is actually secretly perfect. But anyway, I'll let you continue here. I don't know if it's a love letter or a sign of hatred, but we we go back after seeing Cadaverus's speech, not speech, speech. I will say, like just to just to remove from the story a little bit, like if if the story was good and it made sense, I I don't know. I don't hate all of the art. Like I kind of like as weird as Cadaverus. You like is, Keanu Peter? No, that's weird. Um, but I, I don't know if there was a better story around it. I could see this cadaverous guy looking kind of cool and looking how he's supposed to look, but there's not a better story around it. So maybe that's the problem. I, I'm trying to give a little more benefit of the doubt to the art. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what else I notice along the way. Speaking of noticing, we noticed that Ben and May are having dinner and he just starts screaming. I can't forgive him. I mean, where is he? He's gone. It's a, it's like, he's screaming about this, but we also know that he's at work and she, she's basically, you know, trying to console him and talk about how he's a good guy and that he's just as damaged as Ben is. And Ben's just like, well, he's a freak and a coward and he didn't just leave you and me. He left everyone. And we both know that's just wrong because as we see the other panels, we see Peter's literally doing his job. So this whole, he left us thing is just weird. And the fact that he's like, Oh, he's a freak and stuff. It's like, well, you know, he's also a big hero or was a big hero. So you should probably learn some respect, you little shit. And, um, you know, the next day, apparently Ben has access to an iPhone at least because he's on like the Spidey wiki. And next thing you know, Ido comes by and she surprises him. She jumps up behind him and is like, Ben Parker. And, um, you know, apparently they've hit it off because, um, you know, I guess they like each other now because when they were in detention, they didn't like each other. Oh, now she likes him because apparently he beat up or at least got into a fight with the big bully. So now she's kind of into him and she wants to go hang out with him later to like Netflix and chill or something. I don't know. (laughs) Um, but, uh, we, we then, and the transitions in this book are absolutely terrible, like absolutely terrible because we go right from the school with them about to like, I don't know, plan to hook up or something. And next, you know, we're back in like the backyard and, um, we see that Ben has taken the Spider-Man costume and just like any kid who's just found out he has superpowers and as a superhero, he burns it in the barbecue and May just comes out and she's like, but sweetheart, do you have to burn it? And he's apparently he's doing this because he didn't want Ido to find it. Whereas if he just put it back in the freaking attic, she wouldn't know about it. But he's like, this seems so dumb. Like, I could see if he was in a fit of rage because he found out his dad's Spider-Man and like he never wanted to be Spider-Man. So he said, screw this guy. I'm burning the costume. That might make sense. But that's not at all what happened at all. He's actually they could like, just say they could just say it was Spider-Man merch or a, or a Halloween costume or that or too. Yeah. Or like you said, just put it back in the attic. <laughs> and instead he's but, just, but just like the writers, the, the characters aren't smart either, because really as soon not. as as soon as he sets it on fire, he's just like, I'm cool. I'm normal. Also, you're going to ruin your barbecue. You're going to ruin the barbecue with this costume melt it all all over it like if if you're gonna burn it maybe you don't need to ruin the barbecue and why why isn't may stopping him he's like she's like do you really have to but she's not stopping him like take charge man you're the woman of the house like tell him to put the freaking match down and don't burn the freaking suit and ruin my damn barbecue i want to cook some freaking some freaking hot dogs later 
Hey. Yeah, but things don't make sense, and things get weirder because Ito's at the door, and when he opens it up, what do we see? We see canned character development. She's wearing, like, some weird, kinky fishnet leather cat suit, and apparently they're going to go do something. What are they doing? Well, in case you can't get by her everything, she's basically a black cat cat woman knockoff, but with, like, like you quite know. Quite literally. Cat ears and all. God, she even has the same goggles that Catwoman uh, often wears. I mean, it's it's, it's quite... Quite, quite ripoff is is putting it lightly. Yeah, but they're going to go do something, but they don't explain what they're going to do. I guess we can assume it's going to be like crime or something. And just to like make no sense at all, May is like, oh, well, you know, your friend is going out in a costume, so you should have a costume too. So she's she looks at Ben and she's like, um, you know, you, you've you've got you, your your dad has more than one costume. So she literally pulls out the Spider Man costume and gives it to Ben. And I don't know if like. Ito has found out that Ben is Spider-Man or what's going on. None of it makes not sense. Like, point. I'm not even skipping. Like, none of it is explained. No, she just thinks it's, yeah, she thinks, well, she says it later. She thinks, she's like, oh, that's the coolest, like, Spider-Man cosplay costume I've ever found. You, I've ever seen. You must be a big fan. Like, so I, I guess she's just assuming that he has a Spider-Man costume because he's a fan. And apparently they didn't talk about this at all. At all. But just like that, we skip ahead and we're back to Cadaver's lair and we basically see that he has his anime trash monster minions. And just like that, uh, they're going to go do something, but they don't tell you what they're going to do or even remotely show you what they're going to do. It's just him talking about, we can begin again, heal ourselves and find what we need. And what do they need? We don't know. If they ever but make the movie of this, knows. I want to be hired as the voice of Cadaverous. That's my request, JJ. We'll lobby for that. Basically, what Ido and Ben are going to do is they're going to go to a bunch of banks and they're going to go ahead and just start like committing small acts of vandalism. So they go ahead and do that. And as they're spray painting it's their own on, like, Occupy some, Wall Street protests, basically. Yeah, basically they're they're attacking like, you know, some Goldman Sachs ripoff and the cops come and, uh, you know, they're like, hey, hands up. And they're all freaking out. But what do kids do when the cops come? They start running and they start running and running and running. And just as they're about to be surrounded by the cops who are standing outside this coffee place, what does he do? Because he wants to basically show that he's not Spider-Man. He's completely normal. He goes ahead and suddenly discovers the ability to swing webs and escape. And Ido is just not surprised by this at all. If anything, she's like, you know, super into it now. And they're just like, oh, my God. Like, what's happening? And then he immediately is like, yeah, my dad is Spider-Man. And that's basically it. So they they end up, uh, you know, accidentally swinging and slamming against a billboard that is for the Avengers. Apparently, the Avengers in this world are dead. And that will play in a little bit later. But they basically hang out up there and they're just talking about how cool this all is. Basically, canned character development. But just like everything else, immediately skip. We go back and we see that uh, Peter Parker in whatever war zone he's in, he's seeing the news and somebody has reported that Spider-Man must be back or something. And Cadaverous sees it. And, you know, Ben is back home and he's, you know, because time just moves so fast. He's back home. He's looking at like, like they're watching this CNN in the middle of this war. I guess it's not that crazy, maybe. But but yeah, like they're in the middle of this war zone with these like tents and stuff. It doesn't seem like a place they would just be sitting watching TV, but whatever. Yeah. But basically, there's been an attack at Oscorp 
Tower. Um, Cadavers and his minions have gone in there, and they've kid- they've like stolen some shit. And they've caused a bunch of damage. So Ben goes there, saves some guy, gets his ass kicked by the anime monsters, but nothing really happens. Like they're not there to fight him. They they already got what they got. So he saves some civilian, and as soon as he gets home. Uh, Peter has suddenly somehow showed up and he looks at him and he's like, Hey there, Spider-Man. I just want to mention it's the middle of the afternoon and everyone can obviously see that Ben has been swinging and jumping and doing crazy Spider-Man shit. And he walks through the front door. That's what tells you that this is some lazy shit. And as he walks through the front door, he sees that Peter has somehow miraculously gotten from like Africa or something to walks on the front door as Spider-Man to Queens. To be clear, like, yeah, like he has not changed. He's not trying to conceal anything, uh, and and yet somehow spent all these years not knowing his dad was Spider Man, even though he was on TV as his mom died. But anyway, yeah, and that is the end of issue two. Yeah, let's just move on. No need for commentary yeah. in between here. But we get to get a reappearance of the Hook Hand. Yeah, Keanu, Keanu, Spider Man, and the Hook Hand. Keanu's going to play Peter in this when they make this movie too. I'm I'm Cadavity, Cadavity, Cadaverous, Cadaverous. <laughs> <laughs> Henry Abrams as himself and Ben 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 Parker. Yeah. Anyway, we uh, we start issue three, and I guess Ben just doesn't shower anymore because he's still hanging out in the Spider-Man costume, and he's getting a whole bunch of messages from Faye, who's his girlfriend, not girlfriend. And apparently, nothing has literally happened between when we saw that he saw Peter in the house to now, because Peter comes in, he's like, "Hey, can we talk?" And they're you know they're trying to do like the whole great power conversation, but they do the thing where they overlap the bubbles above each other, so none of the dialogue matters at all it's so frustrating that overlapping bubble thing they're just screaming and screaming and none of it matters at all ben puts on the mask and he screams get away from me and just because you know no one knows how transitions work in this book we flip the page and there's an explosion and we see basically that cadaverous has blown up may's house and uh at this point we turn and we see that cadaverous somehow between panels has stabbed Peter Parker killing him. Talk about lack of transitions. Like we go from kid screaming, next page explosion, next page cadaverous has has Peter Parker completely spiked on this thing the same way he killed uh, Mary Jane. Yeah, but basically he doesn't even want kid Spider-Man. He he's like, "Hey, because of you, I knew who the real Spider-Man was, but I don't need you. I just need him." So, instead of actually doing anything, Ben has like a little panic attack. Which actually makes no freaking out. sense based on what we yeah. later know, but whatever. You know that. Yeah. He basically blacks out and shit. And, you know, he just goes catatonic and like hours must go by because Faye comes over and she's like, Ben, and she's like, what's wrong? And Ben is like, he took my dad and I I, I can't do shit like everything else. So at this point, they're like, you know, apparently Faye's the smart one. They're like, we know who we can go to. So he gets out of the spider costume. I'm sorry. He gets out of the spider costume and she takes him to Stark Tower to go speak to Tony Stark. But Tony Stark's been gone for a while, apparently. And what does Faye do? She just starts yelling at all the employees. And just because of their luck, the new CEO of Stark Industries comes in. And this is how I knew this story would be shit. The new CEO of Stark Industries, who's come to save them in the nick of time from getting kicked out by security, is Riri Williams. When I, I just, I almost fell out of my chair when I saw Riri show up, knowing your disdain for this character. (laughs) Uh, You know what? I don't think we've ever done this and I don't think I'm going to do it again during this episode. So why not? Remzo, what can you tell me about Riri Williams? (laughs) Nothing. I'm sorry. 
because she is nothing. No, there's nothing there. She was a she was a 14-year-old Berkeley student who was smarter than Iron Man, could replicate all his technology, and basically became Iron Man. Black Duke so has her Iron Man. There you go. Literally. Black girl Duke. So there you go. Man. There you go. There you go. And apparently, yeah. She, she, she's joined the Alphabet Mafia as well. Not that there's a problem with that, but because she's not, she's not genuinely interesting. She's just a bunch of these things, a bunch of these white act, a bunch of these white writers were like, you know what, what, what can get minorities? Let's create a super minority. She's a young female uh, black girl who's now a lesbian. Instead of actually making her interesting, we're just going to tell people what she is she's and a lesbian tell them that they don't like her in the Disney Plus show that they, they've said that she's going to be some type of whatever. Okay. And it's just like, you know, instead of actually making her interesting, you just keep throwing these things on her. It's offensive to minorities. It's offensive to women. It's offensive to people of different sexual identities. It's not that I have a problem with any of that. It's just that that is not a personality. She has no personality. She's the worst character ever fucking created by Marvel. And they've created a lot of shit over the years. But they keep bringing her back because they want it to work. And it doesn't fucking work. It never fucking works. All right. It worked. I got you to rant about Riri. (laughs) (laughs) So because all this just makes perfect sense, we flip a page because God forbid they do a proper transition and we see that Peter Parker is not dead. He's being alive. He's being kept alive by a bunch of tubes and shit and some type of like empire strikes back BAFTA or Bantha, whatever, back to tank shit and cadaverous is basically going to use his blood for something and what is that we don't know it's not that they're trying to foreshadow it's just that they don't know how transitions work maybe it's not the art that i like sometimes because i'm noticing a common theme it's it's the pages where i go oh i kind of dig this it's not the art per se it's the color schemes of when we're in cadavers like area and i kind of like maybe because it feels a little more of like anime style like you call him like this anime garbage man guy anime trash monster yeah anime trash monster and i i just i I like maybe it's that more that I like the feel of those panels and like the feel of the scenes with the color scheme. It kind of just reminds me of like, yeah, like like anime stuff. Um, and, and but like it's when we go back to like a regular superhero or regular people stuff, that's when it gets a little too just, I don't know, nondescript and very, very bland. I guess I would put it otherwise. But somehow when, when we're in this cadaverous world, maybe it's just like more the coloring. Maybe that's who should get the credit here is the colorist um, because that's it. It just strikes. It, it becomes more striking to me. Yeah. So this is where I will say that the artwork at least gets a little bit more interesting. Um, Riri, who has just met these children and stuff, ends up taking them to where Tony Stark is. Apparently they're at like Avengers Memorial Park or something. And underneath the ground of it, Tony Stark has like a secret chamber. So they go down like a classic, like, you know, uh, spy movie elevator with a thousand floors. And they end up going into Tony Stark's garage. And what we see is... Oh God! Gray I just remember how much bun, I hate this part. <laughs> gray man bun Tony Stark, who thinks that Riri has brought the kids to get an autograph, and after some condescension later, and um, you know Ben walks over and he's like, "Mr. Stark, sir, I'm sorry to interrupt your whatever it is you're doing." And Tony's like, "Name, please. What's your name? Give me your name." And uh, Ben walks over after Tony's like, "Just it doesn't matter. Come here." And he starts like autographing his face, which is actually kind of funny. He he writes Tony Stark across Ben's face. That's the only 
that's the only funny thing in this entire book. They just they just portray Tony as such like Tony's always been like had the bouts of alcoholism in the comic book and that's always been a part of his character, but he's never been like a goofy idiot. Like like he's been goofy at times, but this is like like silly it's like silly smart goofy. Bad, it's like they're trying to channel Robert Downey Jr., but they do it in the worst way. I don't even I can't I don't think Robert Downey Jr. could pull this script off to be honest, but anyway. No, but basically, uh, Ben shows him the costume and then apparently, um, Tony remembers him because his red hair and, you know, Tony's always in the comics has always secretly had like a crush on MJ and weird shit. And immediately Ben starts crying and he's like, oh, my dad, even though he's dead, he might not be dead. And I need you to get him back because I can't do anything. And, uh, because transitions, we immediately go back to Cadaverous's layer and we see one of the anime trash monsters go over and cut the glass to pull dead, not dead, armless Keanu Peter Parker out of the tank. And meanwhile, what we basically go back to is Tony's trash garage. And long story short, basically, Cadaverous was a former Stark employee. He was doing some evil legal shit with dead bodies he shouldn't have done. And Tony fired him and he became a bad guy. And it's all kind of Tony's fault because just like in the MCU Marvel films, you can't have anything Spider-Man related without Iron Man related. And just as they're about to go ahead and figure out what to do, Tony starts is like I can't do anything I'm not a hero and they're all like Ben it has to be you even though Ben is a little whiny bitch even you're this whiny bitch who just cosplayed as Spider-Man for 10 minutes it's gotta be you kid yeah but basically we go back and apparently um, the the woman from issue one who was in the tank who's apparently like Cadaveris's version of Nora Frost uh, through a blood transfusion between Peter Parker and this chick Cadaveris has brought her back to life and just as we go to the next page we see that somebody has somehow like found uh, Iron Man and Ben and the others. And who does it happen to be? It happens to be the Avengers who went missing, but they're anime trash monster fied. So we've got anime trash monster Thor, because that makes sense. Anime trash monster Hulk and anime trash monster Black Widow and anime trash monster Captain America. And apparently they're also cognizant because they're blaming all of this on Tony Stark, because let's go ahead and throw Iron Man into a Spider-Man story and make it all about him. This is when this is the moment, this panel, when this went from this is, you know, this isn't good to, oh, my God, what the fuck is this? Yeah, <laughs> like this, this is like it was bad enough when it was just this sort of self-contained future story, future alternate reality story about Peter Parker turning in. By the way, we haven't really not really gone into this part. The portrayal of Peter Parker in here is just so completely out of any character called Peter Parker. Hook that, and Keanu Parker. Or canned Keanu Parker. Hook and Keanu Parker. Uh, it is, <laughs> he, it is, it's so uncharacteristic of what Peter Parker would ever do. Peter Parker would never abandon his fucking son. Like, are you kidding me? Peter Parker would never just take off and get a job as a freelance journalist in war zones to avoid being near his son. That is the most un-Peter Parker thing that could ever be. Uh, but then if that wasn't bad enough, we have to go uh, throw in idiot Tony Stark, the dumbest version of Tony Stark I've ever read in my life. And if that wasn't bad enough, which it was, we have to go throw in zombie trash anime Avengers. 
by the way, how did they ever die? I don't think that's ever addressed. We don't know. They don't. They care. just died, and it's maybe somehow because Peter Parker stopped being Spider-Man. I guess we're supposed to maybe to make that connection somehow, even though there's no connection ever even remotely made or referenced or hinted at for us. Anyway, that should have been the that should have been the the title for this, Mark Spider-Man. We just don't care. <laughs> Yeah, Avengers zombies were the addition to this story that it never needed. And it never the story never needed to exist in the first place. But if it did need to exist, it certainly did not need this element at all. Poorly drawn element, I got to say too. I do not like the portrayal of the, they don't even look cool. Like they just look stupid. Yeah. And, and while we're at it, Riri Williams is there because people wanted her. I I don't know a single Riri Williams fan. I don't. I don't think they're real. I don't think they exist. That is a call. If you are a Riri Williams fan or you know one, heck, jump in front of a moving heck, bus. We'll invite you on the show to explain yourself. I'm going to put it out there right now. Maybe at least as a Patreon bonus because I want to know. I want to know if there's someone out there that truly likes the character, not just thinks like, oh, it's great. They're doing a, you know, a young black version of this or that, because I think ultimately that's that's the problem with characters like this. It's not that they're black or lesbian or teenagers or anything. It's that they're not characters. They're just characters. It's so funny, too, since I just realized it's Pride Month when we're recording this. I'm about to release this episode. And it's just like, you know what condescension is? And, And I've gotten this as a young multiracial Male in America. As a young Latino of, boy learning to uh, read. Exactly. It's like there's nothing more condescending than just saying you are just your ju- just your race or just your heritage and not to get political, but it's like that's not a personality. Yeah. And it's not character development. And to prove that you are legit on this, you are a Miles Morales fan because he has a character. I am a huge Miles Morales fan. So just, just so that the fans out there realize that uh, you are discerning in this uh, criticism. I even like Kamala Khan. The new Miss Marvel. Yeah, well, she's, she's a good character. Yeah. yeah, I like her. I like Cassandra Kane. So, so it's Bad not about woman. representation. Representation yeah. is totally justified and understood, especially when there's a market where, yes, it's not the 1930s anymore where your whole audience is a bunch of white dudes. There are people out there you're trying to reach. So it makes perfect sense to try to incorporate characters of different races that look more like some of the kids that are going to be picking up those books. That makes total, total sense. What's condescending is when you don't create a new, interesting, original character. Instead, you just copy an old version of a character. You say, hey, let's do Black Teenage Iron Man. And then you don't give her a story or make her even interesting. You just say, this is Black Teenage Iron Man and be happy because she's a black teenager. A hundred percent. But that, but that's too much for these writers to understand because we go over to issue four and we see that anime trash, the, the bride of anime trash monster is back and she looks like a regular person except she's got like Mortal Kombat demon hands or something and Cadaverous is walking out and he's like, I brought you back. I've done all this for you. She looks like Wanda at the, in the last episode of WandaVision when she started to lose, like get her power sapped away by Agatha and uh, they started to turn to like a corpse. That's kind of what her, her arms look like yeah and basically he's just i guess i guess she was his wife and they were both working on this together and uh you know he she she's she's not happy to be alive because she's basically not even human she's like half human half anime trash monster now and doesn't even realize she died at first she's like oh i died oh what the what the fuck am i yeah oh <laughs> actually I, I think i found my favorite my favorite part in this book as the anime trash event trash monster avengers are attacking everyone anime trash monster hulk grabs riri and then she screams tony you literally see her him fling her <laughs> like miles and she's away. just gone she's just in the ocean 
By the way, how did she not die by being like she's in she's a normal person because she she's Riri Williams. She's the best hero in all of everything. Oh, that's right. Okay, because this this seems like it should have just smushed her completely when Hulk when fake anime trash Hulk or whatever grabs her and and just but instead instead of crushing her to death, he just throws her in the ocean. <laughs> it is pretty funny, actually. Yeah. So basically, the anime trash Avengers are assembling to fight everyone. <laughs> La di da, and uh, we're back at Cadaverus's. JJ Abrams presents Anime <laughs> Trash Avengers, <laughs> um, coming in 2032 to HBO Max, Disney Plus. Uh, <laughs> we we go back to Cadaverus's lair, and apparently he's being like beaten and like tossed around like nothing by his anime trash monster wife who's been brought back from the dead and she's just pissed she's like tell me what the fuck happened why well, i had the fuck part and long story short you know they were doing illegal shit that they shouldn't have done she died he dug up her body found out through like old stark industries and oscorp records and stuff about the spider this goes back to howard stark we're going yeah. all the way back with this one because you can't apparently i don't think jj or henry abrams have ever actually read a Spider-Man comic. I think they've only seen the movies. I think that actually explains a lot, which also explains why they had to include Iron Man in some dumb drunk mentor role. Yeah. So basically, um, you know, all this is Iron Man's fault because illegal experiments, dead wife, all that stuff. Now he's a trash monster. And during this time, without any explanation, she has peeled the skin off her face. And at the same time, she's like, tossed like a, another anime trash monster at Peter Parker, who's alive still. And what they end up doing is they're going to try and take more of his blood because apparently that'll make her less of an anime trash monster. And because transitions, as soon as they're about to do that, um, we're back at the anime trash Avengers and who's come to save the day. Riri, because why? Because, it's not even a because comics. It's because they can't just kill the bitch. In her Ironheart suit, she's she's back, and she has to say, God, I missed this. And we all say, we didn't. No one did. Nobody asked for it. Nobody, no, nobody. When you're not there, nobody thinks of you. Nobody does. You might as well not even exist. It's the ultimate if a tree falls in the woods. If no one's <laughs> there to care about Riri, does she even exist? Yeah, and, and what I hate is that, like, you know, Faye Ito apparently is like, you know, a super acrobat because she's able to go ahead and like, you know, spray paint Black Widow's face and stuff because why not? So basically this freaking teenager with no powers who's done nothing heroic ever. We're supposed to like take that. She's I guess it's Black Widow. So at least she didn't have powers really. Although she kind of had the super soldier or some kind of serum involved. But uh, yeah, we're just to think she took out this killer anime trash zombie with fucking spray paint. Yeah. So basically after they've somehow been able only because of Ironheart, really only because of Ironheart, they're able to defeat the anime trash Avengers. Um, Cadaverous's wife, the bride of anime trash monster has found that it's not Peter's blood, which is going to bring them all back. It's the blood of his son because logic. So what they do Speaking is Speaking of lack of yeah. transitions in, in the last time we saw her like four pages earlier, she still like looks like a human just with her skin, like peeling off. And now seemingly like five seconds later, she is just a spider. She's yeah. just a pure spider now. Yeah. She's, okay. she's turned into a animal for something. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm glad you mentioned that, but that's just one of those things where it's like, they don't show these things happen. Um, but anyway, they need to go ahead and capture Ben 
because now I guess instead of killing him, they, they need his blood. So what they've done is they basically put uh, Peter out in the world so people can see he's alive and he's on camera and cadavers is trying to get the new Spider-Man to come down. So basically Ben goes to try and save his father. It's a trap. Anime trash monster minions attack him. And next thing you know, they win because Ben has not won a single fight this entire time. Not even the one against the bully that got him put in detention. He's really done nothing particularly heroic or particularly anything that to make us root for him either. Like they're not making him a sympathetic character. They show him beating up these bullies, but he's kind of being the bully in that situation as well. And not, you know, we don't really see any kind of buildup of him really standing up for kids or anything. It's more about his anger uh, than it is him doing anything, you know, to defend people. I think if they, if they showed us a little more of, of his humanity, maybe we could have actually like learned to like the character but instead we just skip right to like oh shit i'm spider-man and Ame Ame doesn't give a shit yeah and basically issue five starts we see some flashbacks and stuff and it doesn't fucking matter it's basically ben (laughs) as a kid and his dad doesn't want to be a dad because mj's dead and he has a hook arm sad spider-man's a dick now sad keanu um and basically they're trying to take as much of his blood as possible but all of a sudden um what we see is his cadavers is about to like i don't know like kill the kid to make it easier we see that one of the anime trash monster minions has just out of nowhere come and he's beaten they're like beating the shit out of cadavers because this totally makes sense because we totally saw this coming because they totally discussed this earlier no it's a freaking surprise and it's weird and this person ends up knocking over Cadaverous to the point where they can go back and save him. And Ben is like, what's going on? And the trash monster's like, follow me. And apparently the, the serum that they've created using the concocted blood of Peter and Ben, uh, they've been able to steal it. So trash monster minion and Ben are running out and stuff. And, what basically ends up happening is it's weird that he has no problem trusting this random yeah, anime like trash monster. Like I'm trying like, to like I'm trying to explain what's going on, but they don't they don't explain. It. Basically, they run out, and as soon as Cadaverus is about to find them, Iron Man comes in. Actual actual Iron Man comes in and saves them, and uh, we still don't know who that person is. But basically, we're back at uh, the scene as they're trying to get away. Faye Ito is trying to stop the evil bride of Trash Monster who's turned into a giant fucking spider. With this weird, I don't even know what this gun she's holding is. We don't see it shoot anything. It just is some, it's, I saw some weird blast at her. Is that some kind of blaster we're supposed to think she got from Tony or? I don't um, know. But basically, I'm not explaining the point. Basically, everyone shows up and they're fighting the giant thing. And meanwhile, good good anime trash monster goes and finds Peter and Peter's like, who are you? Because we're still trying to figure this out. And out of nowhere, you know, the trash monster is like, here, this will save you, restore you to what you were is it's trying to give Peter the serums, like heal him. And he's like, you're, you're not some soldier, a child of cadaverous. Why'd you help my son? Who are you? And next thing you know, we see through the broken mask, like one eye and like a, big like ugly monster thing and it's like i think you know tiger let me make this right and basically we've learned that that is somehow mary jane watson tiger and then he he embraces and hugs this gross anime trash i mean i guess if it really was your dead wife the first time you would look past the grossness of her and maybe give her a hug but boy but, it is, but it basically is yeah but basically 
as soon as that happens, instead of taking the serum himself, he pulls it and jabs her with it. As soon as Cadaverus is about to kill Ben, suddenly MJ has turned from an anime trash monster into not only a full human version of herself, but also she has super strength. And they both end up fighting Cadaverus. And they have like this big... By the and, way, yeah. what? so okay, I can get, at least within the logic of the story, why Cadaverus you know, dug up his wife even why he made a bunch of trash minions to help him out. Why did he specifically go and dig up dead Mary Jane who serves no purpose to, to make her one of his trash monsters? I know there's no answer to this. I just have to put the questions out there. We'll never know. We'll never know. And like I said, it's, this stuff is like not even because comics. Because because when we say because comics, it's usually because they do give an explanation. That's just kind of silly, and we're having fun with it. This is because there's no explanation. This is because and there's no there's none to be found, and none that you could find because it actually makes no sense. Which is actually kind of different than our normal because comics, where we're just kind of having fun with it and playing off whatever silly explanations writers turn out there. But at least they are actually usually giving some weird explanation. And that's because comics, because comics is a bunch of weird explanations for things. This is not that. This is just nothing. This just doesn't make sense. Yeah. So basically, Super Mary Jane is able to beat Cadaverus, but what he's done to because he's a villain, he sets a bomb up. So as everyone is about to escape, you know, the Parkers have an embrace and they're like, we love you, son, and all this other stuff. And because... There has to be a final death. What ends up happening because of the explosion is Peter pushes Mary Jane and Ben off the bridge. And as they're falling back into the bridge, I mean, back into the water below, the bridge blows up. And I guess Peter's like actually dead. So instead of explaining more, we go to the next page. They're at Peter's funeral and, you know, hipster Tony and Iron Substitute are there and, you know, Ben and Mary Jane are crying and everything. And, you know, apparently May uh, brings in a suitcase and she's like, hey, you know, because apparently May, of all people, just has no emotion. She's just always smiling and always has the right answers. She walks in. She walks in as Ben and Peter are literally crying after just having buried, assuming they even found the body, buried Peter. And she walks in with a suitcase of two high-tech, stark-tech spider costumes, one for Ben and one for her. And, uh, that's it. That's That's it. That's it. Like it's not, it's supposed to be a cliffhanger ending, but it's not even, it's not even done well. And it's done. And she's just presuming that Mary Jane, just because she got super weird spider cadaverous strength now, wants to go be a spider hero. Maybe after all the shit they've been through, maybe it's time to like not do that for a bit. Yeah. Maybe it's time to relax. Maybe it's time to go to your husband's funeral first. Who is also your freaking, what, like, is, is May even upset that Peter's dead? She's a, she's a freaking sociopath. She has no yeah. facial expression. She has the answers to everything. She shows no emotion. Yeah, this this version of May is, yeah, that, that's a good way to put it. Total sociopath. No emotion. She just is there. She's yeah. just there for the freaking ride. And if folks, if you, if you feel unsatisfied with this ending, it's because it's genuinely an unsatisfying ending. I'm sorry. I had to, I had to, I had to show you that for every 20, 20 point episode we give a 10 out of 10 both for mark and i we give we've got to show you that sometimes some things aren't even bad good or good bad they're just genuinely bad yeah i'm a fan of good stuff i'm a fan of bad stuff that's good to be bad that's bad enough to be good uh this is not even 
this is not bad enough to be good. It's actually so bad that it's beyond actual bad. Like it, it redefines the definition of bad. Yeah. And I've read a lot of bad comics, but I can enjoy bad comics just like I can enjoy bad movies. If I was not doing this for the purpose of entertaining our audience, I would really be upset that I spent time reading this. The only reason I'm not is because we're doing it for a, a greater good here to inform our audience, to warn them about its existence so they don't accidentally look and see Spider-Man volume three and think, oh, it was another. They started the Spider-Man series again in 2019. Never knew J.J. Abrams did that. Probably pretty cool. We want to save you from that. We did this for you. We put ourselves through this so you don't have to go through it. Now, some of you might be sick and twisted out there and think, well, this is so bad. I just got to see for myself. Myself. I want to tell you, as a lover and connoisseur of bad movies and bad comics, this does not meet that standard, and it really, you really will just walk away feeling dirty for having been involved in it if you even get, if you even try to. So that's my warning. I can't influence you on what you should or shouldn't do, but I just want to toss that out there so no one can really come back at us when they wind up in, in the mental hospital or wind <laughs> up in jail or wind up, um, you know, separated from their families because of what results from them reading this book. With that said, I think there's only one thing left to do. We got to rate this. Mark. That's the hard part. That's the Be hard my part. guest. Go first. Oh, I got to go first. All right. Well, this is probably one of the more challenging books. Not one of the more. It's the most challenging book I've ever, ever had to rate because you can't just, you know, as much as I disliked it, as much as it wasn't good, can't you can't just give it a zero. I mean, I guess we could. We could do whatever we want. We give things 10. I guess we can give things <laughs> zeros. But I feel like for a zero, it has to be blank pages of nothing, like literally, because effort went into this. There are sentences. There is <laughs> something related to a are story there, structure. Are there, though? Cada- or do cadaverous dialogue or, bubbles count as sentences? Oh, yeah. And the overlapping dialogue between Ben and Peter. Uh, yeah. So maybe they're, they're sort of sentences at times. Um, I'm going to give the writing a point five. <laughs> <laughs> because I feel a zero would be too harsh. But like you said, it, it's it's poorly written and it needs to be stated. Uh, I don't know if it's more JJ or more Henry, but neither of them ever wrote a freaking comp before and neither of them ever read Spider-Man before apparently. And if they did, they certainly didn't understand any of it or understand the character. Um, so I'm giving it a 0.5 for the writing. Because <laughs> I can't justify, I, I thought about a one and I was like, no, because I can see giving something bad, but still oh, done in an okay way. A We've one, given but, cringier books higher scores. <laughs> yeah, I have. So that's why this has to be a new level of low. And I couldn't go to zero because, like I said, there were words here. So I don't want to act like nothing nothing happened. So there were some words. <laughs> there were some sentences, even if they're in ca- weird cadaver style or what have you. Um, so I'm giving the right a point five because it's it's just plain bad. It's unnecessary. It didn't need to exist. Like the, the the even the concept just sucked overall. But then every time you think this is bad, some other bad element gets tossed in, like stupid drunk Tony or Riri Williams for no reason. The fact that they brought in Riri immediately made me know that I hated this book. That was actually my favorite part because I laughed so hard. I was like, "This <laughs> they, is the part where Remzo's soul broke." Yeah, this is that's when I knew I was like, "Oh, this is this is perfect." I'm actually, that's the only time a smile was on my face during the reading of this when I saw her show up and I knew that the torture your soul had to have gone through seeing her show up the first time. Uh, anyway, point five for the writing, the art, it, my score, my art score definitely went down while reading this. Cause I did notice some things uh, more consistently about the, the art transitions and uh, just some of the consistency. 
I will say if, if, if Sarah Pacelli did a whole book in the style of maybe with the same colorist in those scenes with cadavers, I'll stand by that. I kind of like the feel of those scenes for maybe what they were supposed to be. So maybe, maybe she, maybe her home is in anime with a really good, uh, really good colorist that can get this style down. Cause I mean, and she's not, a lot of the art was like bad, I will say. So I'm not going to give it like a high score, but it's not, it's not 0.5 bad. All right. So, so I'm not going to give Sarah a 0.5. I'm going to give her, oh, see, it has to be, you know, if a 2.5 is average, Make it has to pay. be, I'm going to give her a 1.5. Give her a 1.5. So you're giving it so a 2 out of I'm 10. Giving it a, I'm giving it a 2 out of 10. And that even feels a little high, to be honest, because that's a 20%. Is this 20% <laughs> as good as the best comic of all time? It's like, it's like when you're taking the SAT and you get points just for writing your name. So that way that's no kind one of what this is. zero. Yeah, that's kind of what this is. I mean, the 0.5 is definitely just points for writing your name. And this is, and the 1.5 is points for writing your name and getting like four questions, right? <laughs> Man, I think I'm going to have to, I, I'm I'm going to have to be the real, I'm going to have to play this one dirty. I'm giving the story a zero and I'm giving the art a one. Wow. <laughs> I don't know if I should feel like I should have been harder. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the humans here. Cause when it's Sarah like, Pacelli it's, it's like you this, brought it down and then I kicked it. <laughs> <laughs> and you just crushed its head on, yeah. on, this, on the concrete. It's like time to um, unzip and urinate. Well, either way, uh, between the two of us, that comes to a grand total second print comic store of a three. Is this our lowest <laughs> between episode? The two of us. Oh, it definitely is. Cause I think even battle scars, I think we each gave like a two and a half. Or at so. least it got at least like a 10 out of 20. Yeah. No, I don't think I got a 10. It out got, of 20. No, it, it, it got it's like an eight or a nine out of 20. I'll go back and listen when we I'm gave uh, doing full the show numbers. Notes we gave full yeah. numbers at least. <laughs> <laughs> I know nothing has ever gotten under a one before. So I, we've definitely set a new precedent for that. Yeah. I mean, this is a zero. <laughs> <laughs> it's bad. It's bad. Wow. Like, it's just, it's bad. Like they know better. They know better. I feel like Sarah Pacelli is redeemable. Like she could get better. And I think she's done a bunch of other work for Marvel. I could, I could think that in the right they, environment the with the right rendering. Writing. She had, she still had to choose how they were going to look. She chose random fat sociopath Aunt May. She chose man bun Tony Stark. Yeah. She chose hook hand Keanu. She chose anime trash monsters. She chose not cat woman, black cat Faye Ito. She chose all of that. And the trash anime Avengers, this wasn't, Th- th- this was an act of like vandalism <laughs> of the Spider-Man brand of the Spider-Man universe and of our souls. We're all worse off because we've had this part of our lives. There is this whole note in the back from Henry Abrams, uh, Abrams, like, you know, talking about how grateful he was to do this book. And I'm sure as if he was some kind of comic fan, which is hard to believe reading this, that he was, but apparently I guess he was, I'm sure it was a thrill for this young this young 26 year old man who I presumed had to be 12 or 13 getting his make a wish foundation wish fulfilled by Marvel and his dad, uh, who apparently was actually a grown adult who just threw nepotism. And if he, of course, thanks JJ Abrams, no shit. You better thank your fucking dad for this. Cause you are not getting a writing gig at Marvel comics or any comics or anywhere or in a pen pal, uh, relationship <laughs> anywhere without your dad here. Um, what's harder to excuse now? Like I think JJ has done some, yeah, he's obviously produced a lot. He even did Armageddon. I didn't, I didn't realize that when I looked him up earlier. So he's gone Is that the way one back. Where, where they get the oil drillers to blow ben up Aff- the yeah. meteor? Ben Affleck in space fighting asteroids. Uh, oh. pretty much. Um, so, like, I, I have to think. I don't know. I I feel like he that executive produced the I thought the that right. was Michael Bay. 
Uh, well, no, J.J. Abrams. Oh. Well, J.J. Abrams, J.J. Abrams wrote it. Michael Bay oh, made it. Michael Bay directed it. J.J. Abrams yeah. wrote it. Okay. Yeah, that, that, that sounds about right. Oh, yeah. Um, I know he was involved. I know he wrote the movie. There's a funny There's a funny story behind that. At one point, Ben Affleck reading the script went to Michael Bay, and he was like, you know, the whole story is about oil drillers trying to learn how to be astronauts. Wouldn't it technically be easier for astronauts to learn how to be oil drillers? And Michael Bay looked at him and said, shut the fuck up. And they walked away. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great story <laughs> oh, I think that's all we have to say about this a three a three <laughs> combined that's the crazy thing combined for one of us to give a three and that that is I mean that's that's a lot that would be a lot but for two of us combined that's impressive so I will say that the heroes uh, the true heroes of this story are Mark Claire and Remzo Martinez because we put ourselves through reading this again. So you do not have to. And I'm going to say it one more time because I really want to emphasize this. Don't be fooled. I'm not messing with you. I, I, I'm, I'm laying it to you straight. I'm shooting straight from the hip. When I say this, don't think that you should read this as a good, bad book. I'm not fucking with you. I love good, bad books. Don't do it. Don't do it. And if you do it, don't come, don't come looking at us for your, to pay your therapy bills or anything like that. We are not responsible. We are putting a true warning label on this. We are not responsible if for what happens to your life, how it may spiral downward, uh, how your family, your business life, re- re- all your relationships may fall apart if you read this book. And we told you, so don't do it. And if you do it, it's not on us. That's it. It's over, Mark. It's done. <laughs> if you appreciate us putting ourselves through this and would like to reward us in some way, there are several ways you can do so. One is just to leave us a five-star rating and a great review, preferably over on Apple Podcasts. That is the best, cheapest, quickest way to help this show and get our get our, our, our get our rants here in front of more eyes and earballs out there through pushing up pushing us up in those algorithms. So that is always appreciated. And if you think we actually deserve to be paid a little something, just a little something for putting ourselves through this, you can find out how to do that over at patreon.com slash second print pod where we give you all sorts of bonus content along the way i just pumped out another tales from the fuck a pile looking at extreme sacrifice number two which i did give a poor review to uh, i didn't do a number review there but i did say this was bad this was not a good book but you know actually reading that back to back with this was was quite something That's because go compared to this it's I will read I will read Extreme Sacrifice every freaking day, including all the spin-offs before I ever even acknowledge that this book exists again. So you know, it's all, everything is relative. So it, it helps you, I guess, reading this, if anything, if anything good came from this other than producing this podcast, it gives me an appreciation, a new appreciation for some other books that I used to think were bad that I now realize, oh, well, these weren't that bad. When people are like, how worse can it get? We have an example. We can tell you. This is how bad it can get. So, Ramzo, anything else you want to toss out there before we sign off? Nothing. Or is much. your soul just drained? I'm just, I'm, I'm hurting on the inside. Like I feel like I have just subjected our listeners to, to a little bit of pain. But you know, pain makes you know how joy truly feels. As the great Mr. T once said, my prediction: if you read this, pain. <laughs> As always, folks, I'm Ramso W. Martinez. And I am the, I, I'm not so milquetoast this week. I feel like I was on fire. I am the, I'm marvelous this week. Yeah, I'm the marvelous Mark Clare. I dig it. I dig it. As always, folks, read comics, change the world. Change the world. Good night, America. Adios.
Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.